Well, good morning again as we're continuing our message series on the cross as we're getting ready to come up to the Sunday we look at as the Resurrection Sunday. And we are going to be looking this morning in the book of Psalms, Psalm 22, verses 1 through 8 primarily. We're going to be looking at a number of verses this morning, but our text is Psalm 22, verses 1 through 8, and it's a little bit of a different psalm. It's a psalm of David, and as David is <coughs> writing these words, there are uh, those commentators who look at the, the, the background, look at this particular psalm, and uh, there's some speculation that it may be concerning a couple of different events. It could be one of a couple of different events that happened during David's life. Uh, others say there's really no place they can really pinpoint where uh, David would have uh, written this about himself. But we do know, and just about everyone agrees, that primarily this psalm points future to the Savior, to the words that Jesus would <clears throat> say on the cross when he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me. And this is what we see in Psalm 22. As a matter of fact, Charles Spurgeon, <clears throat> a great preacher of a number of years ago, commented on the opening of this psalm, and he says, this is most clearly the psalm of the cross. And almost all commentators agree that it may have had a fulfillment in the the time of David, that it was something David was speaking about, talking about how he felt. Now, there is no, uh, there, this is not what Bible scholars call uh, any uh, imprecatory uh, prayers, meaning David didn't say, Oh, God, I'm a sinner, and forgive me, because primarily this is Jesus that, that is speaking here. But it may have been referring to some of the lament David had during his time with his enemies. <clears throat> But secondly, what Spurgeon says, it is a photograph of our Lord's darkest hours. And think about that time on the cross where there was darkness over the, the entire <clears throat> span of things for that period of time while Jesus hung on the cross. In the darkness, Jesus cries out those words. And our best translation, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, uh, and Jesus is feeling in the depth of his soul this separation that he was experiencing because God was not able to look upon the sin of mankind that was laid upon him at that time. And then thirdly, one of the things that Spurgeon says is, oh, for grace to draw near and see this great sight. Let's read it for ourselves. Psalm 22, verse 1. Where David says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and am not silent. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. 
Verse 6, But I am a worm, and no man, a reproach of men, and despised by the people. And as we look forward to what Jesus is experiencing, Jesus left the glory of heaven to become a human being, and upon Jesus Christ on the cross was poured all of the sin of mankind, and He bore our sin on the cross and was treated as nothing, despised by the people. Verse 7, All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let Him rescue Him. Let Him deliver Him, since He delights in Him. And there were those around the cross that were saying, if you are God, why don't you come down from the cross? You can work that miracle if you are who you claim you are. Let's pray. Father, this morning, please help us to catch a glimpse of the magnitude of what took place there on the cross of Calvary as the one who knew no sin took upon himself our sin and was forsaken on our behalf so that we would not be forsaken. Father, teach us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so all those many years ago, David hears through the Holy Spirit that forth saying from the cross where Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We see that in Psalm 22. 1, Matthew 27, 46, and Mark 15, 34, we hear not only what David wrote in the psalm, but also what Jesus said there on the cross. And the fourth words of Jesus on the cross were prophesied many, many years ago and were ultimately spoken by Jesus. Also, Spurgeon says this, to what extreme grief was our master driven? Think about the grief and think about the agony that he was suffering that would drive him to say that to God. Why have you forsaken me? God, why have you turned your back on me? And it was a rhetorical question because Jesus knew why. But in the agony that he was sensing there on the cross, it was what he was driven to say and it was what David had prophesied many, many years before. And as Martin Luther wrote of this, God, forsaken of God, who can understand that? Think about it. That Jesus would have to do what He did in order to accomplish our salvation as we are preparing to make our way to that Uh, resurrection morning where we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Yes, that's the glory part. Yes, that's the part that makes our, uh, that we see that God was satisfied with the payment of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, but Jesus had to go through the darkest hour before he could see the dawn. And as I read those words again of Martin Luther, God forsaken of God, who can understand that. Let's look at why Jesus was forsaken. The first reason that I can see that Jesus was forsaken was that we might never be. Christ was forsaken. 
of God for that span of a few hours when there was darkness upon the earth. God turned his back because he could not see. He would not look upon our sin while Jesus was dying on the cross in our place. Jesus took that. Jesus experienced that being forsaken for that short period of time so that we might never be forsaken. This is a cry to his faithful father. He said, my God, my God. So he was crying out to his heavenly father. And one thing that we can know for sure today, that our heavenly father hears our cries today when we cry out to him during our dark days. Because not only was Jesus experiencing a dark time in his life, we also experience those dark days as well. And God hears us when we cry out to him. We think of the experience of, of Israel. Look at how many times Israel forsook their God. And look at how often, every time, God heard them and God ultimately came to their rescue. God would slay their enemies. God would restore them. God tired of Israel and said, I'm going to annihilate every one of them. Moses said, God, don't do that. I, I even regret I even regret creating them. And Moses and others had pleaded, pleaded God with God. God, don't, don't do that. Remember. And so God chose to come to their rescue. God will come to our aid during our darkest time. And we all go through times every now and then of questioning. Questioning why. Questioning what. Questioning where. Questioning who. And God is available. God is the one who can... Come to our aid, come to our rescue. And think about it this think about it this way. Jesus understands our questioning times. I don't care how strong of a faith we have. There have been times, or get this, there will be time in your life where you will question your heavenly Father. You say, Pastor, I would never do that. <laughs> yeah, right. And it may not be that you reject God, but it may be that God, why? God, I don't understand this. God, is there no other way? And think about it. If Jesus himself could question his Father, God, if there's any other way that we can accomplish this for mankind, <laughs> I'm up for the idea right now. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So when we question, we know that Jesus has already questioned his heavenly Father. But just like David, over and over and over again in the Psalms, he remembers, God, you've made it, you've come through in the past. You're going to come through again this time. So we know that God cares for us. There are times when we may wonder if God really cares. Maybe it's, it's during a, a time of, of health, a health scare or maybe losing a loved one or losing a job, losing a fortune. Whatever it is, there may be times where, where we wonder if God really cares for us. And, and we may say, well, God, why? God, how? Understand this. Our Lord knows how we feel. He knows what it's like to be forsaken. He knows what it's like to hurt. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be wrongly accused. 
That happens. That happens sometimes at work. That happens sometimes in the family. Sometimes it happens in the neighborhood. <clears throat> Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus experienced that as well. And we can be sure that he will never forsake us. Let's take a look at Hebrews 13.5. Hebrews 13 and 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So in the way that we deal with one another, he says, don't deal with covetousness. Be content with what you have. Because know this, God will never forsake us. God will never leave us lacking what he knows we need. Secondly, the second reason that we look at what Jesus experienced there on the cross, why was he forsaken? Christ suffered alone. He was the one hanging on the cross. He suffered alone that we might never be alone. Why have you forsaken me is the question. And what Jesus did was he took the place of sinners. He took my place and he took your place. Separated from God for that period of time, he bore every punishment due sinners, even abandonment. Because what is the, what is the penalty of sin? Well, the wages of sin is death, which is eternal separation from God. And imagine this. Only an eternal God could suffer <coughs> and pay an eternal debt for mankind. Him who knew no sin became sin for us. He had no sin, so therefore he could justly satisfy the wrath of God for every man. And just as Adam acted as the representative, as, as uh, we, we, we call it, the federal head of, the, of, the, of mankind, meaning he acted as the representative of the entire human race when he disobeyed God. And so then death comes by sin. And in the same way, the Bible says, Jesus, just like Adam, yes, yes. one man yes, right. took the penalty of sin for the entire world. And so through Christ, we're able to receive the gift of eternal life. He bore every punishment for us. This prophesied cry was made from the darkness of Calvary. Let's look at Matthew 27, 45. Now, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. Transport yourself in your mind back to Calvary. Darkness. Daytime. Total darkness. And then you hear the agonized Breathing, Jesus on the cross, lifting himself up on the cross so he can take a breath or so he can breathe. Lifting himself up on the cross where we can get enough breath and then you hear, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Makes my skin crawl. Just to hear those words. Imagine that. How frightening to be alone in the dark. 
But how frightening to be alone in the universe, as Jesus was at that point in time. His disciples had left him. Almost most all of his disciples had left him. Our solitary, suffering Savior endured the darkness that we deserve. Because what is eternal punishment going to consist of? Darkness and wailing and gnashing of teeth. The lake of fire is going to be, you won't be able to see anybody. People said, oh, it's going to be a party. Oh, I'm, I'm going to where my friends are. Well, do they realize the Bible says they will, be, they will be in total darkness? They will see no one while hearing the cries of others? It is. Our solitary suffering Savior endured this. So he endured this darkness that we deserve. And as we compare this promise for dark days, I will not leave you comfortless. Let's look at John 14, 18. John 14, verse 18 says, I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you alone, is the promise of our Savior. He says, I will come to you. Jesus, the forsaken one, said he will never forsake us. He said he will never leave us alone. And then when we look at Matthew 28, 20, when Jesus, before he left his disciples, as he said what they were to be doing, making disciples, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And he says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He was forsaken that we would never be forsaken. He suffered alone in the darkness that we would never be alone. He would always be with us. And then thirdly, Jesus was forsaken and suffered reproach. So that we might be redeemed. <clears throat> so that we might be redeemed. David, the psalmist, wrote, I am a worm, a reproach of man. Obviously speaking forward to Jesus. He was a reproach of men. They wagged their tongue as they passed by the cross and said, oh, well, he deserved that. Oh, I thought he was God. Oh, I thought... And on and on and on, they made fun of the Savior hanging there on the cross. Despised of people. Psalm 22, 6. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men, despised by the people. Isn't that a picture? As uh, Spurgeon said, a photograph of the suffering of Jesus on the cross. All they that see me. Laugh me to scorn, verse 7. Though all those who see me ridicule me, they shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying. And so what, they, what, they're see, what we're seeing is Jesus being ridiculed there, hanging forsaken on the cross on our behalf. And here's what the humiliation of Jesus Christ accomplished. It made our salvation secure. Let's look at Philippians 2. 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you. Let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He didn't look at his glory in heaven as something that was to be grasped or held onto. 
did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He humiliated himself, lowered himself, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He made himself of no reputation for our redemption. And Jesus died on the cross of Calvary so that we might have eternal life. So as we see in these first eight verses of the 22nd Psalm, we see a picture of our suffering Savior, the forsaken one, who was forsaken that we might never be forsaken. Who suffered alone so that we would never be alone. And we also see as the Savior who suffered reproach so that we might be redeemed. Jesus accomplished all of this for us. And I know as we celebrate on the Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday, it's exciting to think about the resurrection of Christ. But my, what Jesus had to endure to get there. He did it for us. So two questions. How will we respond to such love? And then secondly, will you live for the one who died for you? Father, this morning, we we have gathered together in your holy name. We honor you. We thank you for being who you are. Dear God, we, we praise you for being a loving God who demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, sent his only begotten son to die on the cross in our place. Father, please be with us this morning as you, in, as, as you encourage us to live a life that says thank you always be mindful of what was accomplished and what our Savior suffered on our behalf. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we go through our daily life, as we glorify your name by loving others. May we make a difference in the lives of others. May others see Jesus through us. May you multiply your word, you help us to be naming the name of Jesus as we go in our homes, as we rise up, as we go to bed, as we sit down, as we walk around, Lord God, may your name be on our lips. And dear Father, may we accomplish that for which you have chosen us, that for which you have saved us. May you work through us to accomplish your purpose here on planet Earth. As long as you leave us here, Father, may we be serving you and working for you. Lord, we thank you for each one here this morning. Father, we thank you for Brother Galleon, who's come this morning and presented the Gideon ministry. 
We pray that as we prepare to receive the special Gideon offering that you will be with each one who would give and bless this offering given to multiply your word locally. We pray, Lord God, as well, that you would, lo- that you would multiply your word around the world to those who need to hear of you, to hear the, the message, the good news of salvation. Bless us this day. May we honor you and glorify you in all that we do. We come back together this evening. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.